You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, we've been looking from Easter uh, to Pentecost in this period of time known as Eastertide in the ecclesiastical calendar. I know I've impressed you with that. Yeah. And uh, as, as we look at that, locally, we've just been looking at all the resurrection appearances of Jesus and, and the different things that he's taught and said as a result of his resurrection. And uh, I'm gonna go from John chapter 21 I'm going to, I've got the NIV today up on the screen, so feel free to follow. And it begins with verse 1. Just in case you're wondering, the Sea of Tiberias is the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Gennesaret is the Sea of Galilee. Depends on what city you're near, what town you're in, they will call the Sea of Galilee their sea. So just so you know biblically what's going on, uh, Jesus does a lot on the Sea of Galilee. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, who happened to be James and John, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. They said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. I know how that feels. My brother-in-law accuses me of feeding the fish, not catching the fish. As a youngster, they always got my worm and I never got them. Mm. They caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Oh my God. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they had landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish. But even with so many, the nets, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Let's pray. 
We're so thankful. We're so thankful for your scriptures, Lord, for this story, for all that it holds for us. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to see and to hear and to understand, to be able to perceive and embrace the fullness of your truth and what you're saying to each one of us individually and what you're saying to us corporately as a church. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus appears again. The thing that I love about the appearances of Jesus is uh, he always goes where his disciples are. Have you noticed that? You know, they're behind locked doors for fear of what the Jews might do. And there he just shows up and appears in his resurrected body. Some interesting things about that body, and we've looked at that in, in weeks gone by. But now here's, here's Peter. And it, it, this third time, it just begins with, well, well, this is the story. This is what happened. Peter said, I'm going fishing. Why do you go fishing? You go fishing because you're bored? You go fishing because you like it? I asked my wife if she'd go fishing with me. She said, no. I said, don't you like the fish? She said, no. And so it's like, okay, well don't go. <laughs> no going fishing. Here, Peter had denied Jesus three times after boasting at the Last Supper, that though all might forsake, I will go and I will die for you. I'll never forsake you. Denies him three times. Jesus shows up, tell my disciples and Peter, just love that. He gets singled, singled out in the message from the ladies, you know, back to the 12, uh, back to the disciples, the 11, Judas is gone, and as, as, as that message goes, it had to kind of zing, don't you think? In the areas where you've really failed, where you've really showed, you, you came up short, where you've, you've betrayed, and it's like, oh, you know, everything that just reminds you of what you've done that has been just something that you can't believe you did, it's just like, oh. And then you see Jesus, and then he shows up again and, and Thomas gets to put his fingers, you know, in the, in the hand, nail prints and, and the scar on the side and, and all that goes on with that. And, and we see that it's just really, really picking up. And F Peter's kind of feeling like, we're good. We're good. Yeah. Jesus seems to have forgotten that I denied him, that, that I denied him three times. That seems to be in the past. We don't have to deal with that now. Everything's good. You know, Jesus is here. We're, we're all good. But I think something's still going on inside Peter. There, there's something that's gnawing at his soul. And when you don't know what to do, Peter always just does something. <clears throat> he, he never just waits until something gets revealed. He usually presumes and jumps ahead. 
I don't know when's the last time they've been fishing, but the gospel records are kind of silent all the way back to his calling to come to Jesus. And so we, we don't have a whole lot that is spoken about them fishing, but they're in the boat and they're on the Sea of Galilee, but it's usually for transportation. It's usually getting from one side of, of the lake to the other. So here they are, they're on the lakeside and Jesus once again comes to them. I love that about Jesus. Wherever you are, Jesus knows how to get there. The psalmist put it this way in Psalm 139. He says, if I go to the farthest parts of the earth, you're there. Where can I go? Where can I go away from your presence? If I even make my bed in Sheol, you know, if, if I go into the spirit realms, you're still there. There is no place that God isn't. And so here Jesus is manifesting the reality of the Father's presence. And he comes to them as they're going fishing. They go out and they fish all night. They don't catch a thing. And don't you just love it when somebody asks you a question that just reveals your shame? Have you caught anything? Not one minnow. Haven't caught a fish all night. Professional fishermen. You know, well, we've been following Jesus for three, three and a half years, and we've lost our fishing skills, and we don't remember how you do this, and we, we came up and we didn't catch anything. My imagination just goes everywhere in this story because it's just so full of things that aren't said that you get to Amen. cooperate with the Holy Spirit and, and just get new insights every time you read this story. And so there they are, and Jesus is talking, and once again, they do not recognize Jesus. This theme seems to be continuous, doesn't it? You know, even after he's been resurrected, they don't see him. They walk all the way to Emmaus and, and they don't realize it's him. He comes through. Mary doesn't realize. She thinks he's the gardener. And, and here again, they're out fishing. And I guarantee you, if I was on a boat and my wife yelled out, Rick, have you caught any fish? I would know it was her. Even if the fog was there, I would recognize the voice. It must have been the distance, I don't know. But they didn't recognize that it was Jesus. But Jesus tells them, oh, you haven't caught anything? Throw the net on the right side. Go starboard. Throw it on the starboard side. And they do. Amen. And they catch a boatload of fish. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, they can't even put it in the boat. There's so many. And John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, I love it. He never mentions himself. There's seven disciples that go fishing and he lists them all and he says, and two other disciples of which he's one. He's the disciple whom Jesus loved, John. So boom, there we go. And He says, it's the Lord. He recognizes as soon as they catch the fish. Why does he recognize that? Well, let's go back to look at Luke chapter five. 
I'm going to read a few verses before I put the verses on, on the screen. It goes like this. One day, Jesus was walking by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee. Thank you. With the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Here we go. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Oh my God. Okay. See some contrast, some comparison. Yeah. Jesus says, let down the nets, cast them on the right side, and they get a huge catch. This time here in Luke, it's breaking their nets. It's a net breaker. In John, you kind of get the feeling that there's a supernatural dynamic that's going on with even the nets. Because they catch 153 large fish and the nets don't break. Wow. So here in the earlier passage, uh, so they, they singled, signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. Now, this is the beauty of Jesus. He's pursuing Peter. He's pursuing the hearts of his disciples. He's going back into an environment where they first encountered him, a fishing environment. They're having a supernatural, miraculous catch that the first time when Peter saw that and realized they'd fished all night and caught nothing, and Jesus said, and he realized that this was a man that was so holy he pleaded for him to get away from him because he knew he was so sinful. And so he was trying to push some distance away. Oh my. After denying and following Jesus for three years and then denying him three times, Peter's kind of in the same predicament. But when Jesus tells them to catch and they get this supernatural catch, can you imagine what's going on inside Peter's heart? He's realizing it. He jumps and he's coming for the shore. He's, he's only got a hundred yard freestyle swim. He can make it. <laughs> I like the Passion Translation. It says, and Peter being athletic, jumped into the water, dove into the water and swam for shore. And so as he's doing that, 
He's not even thinking, what am I going to do when I get to shore? I mean, he, he loves and he, he wants to be connected to Jesus so bad, but he's still feeling the weight of his denial. Even though Jesus has appeared twice, he's still feeling that crushing weight. That, can you imagine? He, he's coming up all wet, coming up on shore, and there's Jesus. And Jesus has got a little charcoal fire going with fish and some bread. Go figure. Have you ever thought why he asked them if they had fish? Well, he wanted them. He already had. He already. He already had breakfast prepared. He he's wanting them to feel like they're participating with him. But just in case they disobey him and say, no, we're not throwing that stinking net over on the other side. We fished all night and we haven't got anything. No, he's already got fish as a backup plan. <clears throat> but they do and they come. And I can just imagine as Peter comes to shore, I mean, he had to be the first one there. And it's like, I, I want to get there. I want to get there. And I want to, I don't want to get here. Uh, what am I supposed to do? Hi, Jesus. Uh, how are you doing? You having a good day? How's the fire? The fish almost done? You know, it goes silent at that point. He, he swims in, he gets there, and then he doesn't, it, it appears to me that silence of the text, it's almost like he doesn't know what to do. He's there, he doesn't know how to engage Jesus. He's the one that denied him three times. He, he doesn't know how to connect with him. And we, because we read all of chapter 21, we know what's about to take place. Peter's about to be restored as the leader, as the leader of the disciples. And it's like, whoa, restored into full relationship back with Jesus. <clears throat> but that's for ne next time. We'll get into that. So here we are in this environment and Jesus says, well, bring some of the fish you caught. I still don't know why that is. It could be that he was having pity for Peter because Peter didn't know what to do with himself. So he gave him a little job, go get some fish. And so he goes in and they pull it together and then we get all the, the details of the story of 153 large fish. And then Jesus is there. And he says, come, let's have breakfast. I love that. I love how Jesus is so always he's always inviting us to be with him he goes to where we are and he invites us to be with him and then they realize they know it's the lord none of them had to ask they knew it they knew it was jesus once again the dynamic of recognizing jesus I find that to be interesting, that it gets repeated so often in the scriptures. I wonder if that's because oftentimes Jesus is moving in the earth and we don't recognize him. We don't see him when he shows up. We don't see him when he's working through circumstances or when he's working through nature or when he's working through another person. We miss him. It's like, oh, Jesus, we need to see you. So Jesus comes, he invites them around, he takes the bread he gives it to them, and he does the same with the fish. Sounds like the feeding of the 5,000, doesn't it? Yep. He takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, he gives it to the disciples, the disciples give it to the people. Then he does the same thing with the fish. And, and here we have this, once again, an environment 
that's triggering all sorts of things within their hearts, that's causing them to realize Jesus is connecting with us and we know who he is. We followed him because we thought he was the Messiah. Now we know he is the Messiah. He is the risen one. There is 100% certainty that he is the son of God. He is the Messiah, the holy chosen one, the savior of the world. <laughs> and he is connecting with them back at level one. Has he ever done that for you? I find that oftentimes when, when I've screwed up, there's something of a remembrance where I get in another environment that causes me to realize how I first connected with him. Or when I connected with him in a most intimate way and I experienced something so wonderful and then I grow dull and, and just kind of get lackadaisical and lose my zeal and I'm not as, uh, as disciple-like. It seems like the Lord always brings across my path an intersection where I remember when I connected with him. And there's always an, another invitation to reconnect with him. Now the evil one works at that moment in our lives. And at that point he says, well, see, you're really not saved. You, you never really were saved. If you were, if you were really saved, you had been more vibrant all the time. Not, but that's the lie that he feeds. And then if you do respond and you connect and you reconnect with the Lord, what's the enemy do? He says, well, you're all the way back over here at square one. You're just getting started. You don't know anything, so you better start and learn the basics. Do you know how fast you, we develop when we just simply believe and obey? If you take a brand new Christian, one who has been lost and is, is completely surrounded by their sin and it's smothered the life out of their, their being and they don't know joy, they don't know peace, they don't know anything because of the weight and the guilt and the condemnation and the, just the, the attack of the evil one upon them. They're just so heavy laden. Once they, in faith, just release all that to Jesus, by inviting Jesus and realizing that he's the, he's the savior and asking him to forgive them and to free them from all that stuff and to come in and be Lord of their life. And then they just start taking baby steps and, and believe and obey and believe and obey and believe and obey. And as they keep doing that, you know, I, I see new, new converts way further in their development than folks who have been in the church 40 years, 30 years, 20 years. Why? Because somewhere along the line of believing and obeying, we stop believing or we still intellectually believe, but it's not the kind of belief that affects our behavior and we stop obeying. And soon as we stop obeying, guess what? We don't believe quite as much or we start to intellectually find ways to get around scripture and what the commands of the Lord are. And, and so we just, kind of, we, we just kind of fudge on those things and we lose something of the fire. 
This message today is that if that's where we are, guess what? The Lord knows how to reconnect with us. He pursues us. He comes to us wherever we are, and he's, there's no shame or no condemnation. He doesn't sit Peter down and say, sit down here. Let me tell you about why you denied me. You just didn't have enough faith. You, didn't, you weren't reading your Bible. You there was none of that. He just comes and invites us to be with him and he serves. So we've got to look at uh, the Passion Translation. Thank you. Then Jesus came close to them. I love that. To me, that, we could just stay on that the whole morning. And then Jesus came close to them. He came close to them. And that's what he does. The two on the road to Emmaus that are completely confused and can't figure out what's up and what's down, he comes close to them and walks with them. The guys that are fishing in the boat, he comes on shore, they come, and then he comes close to them as he's fixed. And what's he do? He serves them. He serves them. It's breakfast time. And I think the Holy Spirit is speaking to several of us today and he's saying, I'm inviting you to breakfast with me today. It's breakfast time. I know that you've got a lot of stuff that's going on inside, a lot of turmoil, a lot of disconnect, a lot of loose ends, a lot of things that aren't making sense. You thought you were and, and then now all this is going on and the Lord just comes to us gently and he says, I wanna be close to you. Let me serve you breakfast. He not only shows us, enables us to supernaturally provide a catch of fish, which is kind of the economical currency of a fisherman. He's made provision. So he's made a physical financial provision, but now he's coming and he's bringing his presence, which the spiritual provision of Jesus relationally is the thing that is eternally most significant and most important for us. And as he comes and he comes close to us, he serves us. I was looking at this passage, I just thought, I wonder what Jesus is serving for breakfast on Sunday. Mm, I think he's got a special. It's not a blue plate special. It's a smorgasbord. It's a Ruth Chris breakfast extravaganza. Mm. He loves you. He's calling you, he's wooing you. He says, you may not realize it, but I've ordered this day just for you. I want you to know how much I love you, how much I wanna be close to you. Don't worry about your shame and your guilt. Don't worry about whatever the enemy's trying to highlight as reasons why you don't qualify for me to come close to you. I come close to you. You've heard my testimony of, of the Lord giving me his heart and all that goes on with that. And, and then it's like the enemy attacks me and all the time. And, and he says, why have you polluted such a beautiful heart like Jesus with your sins against love? And I'm just thinking, oh gosh, Lord, I haven't stewarded your heart right. Oh, forgive me, oh. And I'm going down, oh, the, 
woe is me, I'm so... And, and then the Lord just says, don't worry about my heart. You can't contaminate my heart. That is an Old Testament understanding of contamination. In the Old Testament, if you touch a leper, you get leprosy. In the New Testament, Jesus teach, he, teach, he touches the leper and what happens? Jesus doesn't get leprosy. The leper gets healed. And that's the good news of this morning. When the enemy is saying, oh, there's just too much contamination in you, all you need is just to invite Jesus and take him up on his offer for breakfast. Take him up on his offer to come close to you. Invite him to come close. And as he comes close, guess what? He touches everything that is leprous inside of us. He brings cleansing and forgiveness and healing and wholeness. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Without a doubt. He is our great high priest. Dying old night. He is our elder brother. Yes. He is our Lord. Mm. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for this passage of scripture that lets us know whatever, whatever we think that has disqualified us, our lack of due diligence, our, our uh, sinfulness, our decisions that we've made, the things that we've entertained, I thank you that you are greater than all of that stuff. And that the blood of Jesus purifies us from all unrighteousness. And so we invite you, Jesus, into our hearts. We invite you into our mind, in our spirit, in our bodies. We invite the full power of the resurrected Lord. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> power of resurrection. Let it be manifested among us today for the glory and the praise of Jesus. Thine Almighty. As the worship team comes and sings, leads us in our last song, I want you to just sit and enjoy the invitation of the Lord. And let's start breakfast now. Wow. Let's start breakfast right now. He's coming to be close to you. And as we sing these song, this song, let's reciprocate. The scripture says, if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And yet we find oftentimes he's the one that makes us aware that we can draw closer because he wants to be closer. So let's just see how close we can get today. Whatever your need is, if you need to get right with the Lord Jesus, man, we'd love to pray with you. We invite you to just come forward and, and make it known that you want to get right with the Lord Jesus today. It's a wonderful day. It's a day of memorial. Yeah. What a great way to memorialize our commitment and our devotion and our love for Jesus. No doubt. God bless you. Enjoy his grace. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. 
To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.